1: Welcome. We are on the brink of Thanksgiving. It is amazing that this holiday season is upon us and 2017 is coming to a close. As you move into your spaces of appreciation and gratitude, family and friends, I want to invite you to dive into the latest issue of 1111 Magazine. It is quite powerful and filled with some incredible individuals this time and it is themed the grateful heart you will discover the music of jennifer russell the powerful wisdom of ito and mary shores human design and the principles of how you can know your human blueprint by carola eastwood and Cheeton parkin Susie lula has created some wonderful work around the motherhood Evolution, And if you are not familiar with Scott Stabile, you will love his work. He is definitely a loving being. It is power-packed, and it is always free online at 1111mag.com. And if you are just too busy to fit in a practice or a time to give yourself the personal growth and development and life enhancement that 1111 has to offer, I now have 11.11 on audio, and you can grow on the go. If you'd like to experience a free month of that, just text 11.11 to 4436411110. 641 text 11.11 to 4436411110, 641 and enjoy the meditation, the articles, and some of the radio archives that are included, along with the life coaching piece that comes with it. You will enjoy it thoroughly, I'm certain, and if you choose to continue, you will know how to do so. I'm thrilled about my guest today, so we are going to dive right in because we are living in a time where there is a lot of escalation, whether it is inside many homes or in our communities, whether it is taking place in our politics or in our religious spaces or on the global front. Doug Knoll has witnessed a handful of dedicated inmates change the culture of their prison from one of violence to one of peace. It only takes effort to effect transformative change. As more and more people learn and practice the skills that are taught in this book called De-Escalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less, we will see a slow and marked increase in civility and peace. Mastering and practicing these de-escalation skills will minimize arguments, increase understanding and empathy, transform important relationships, allow people to be heard in a profoundly deep way, and create a new space for civility. Doug Knoll left a successful career as a trial lawyer to become a peacemaker. He is an award-winning author, teacher, trainer, and highly experienced mediator. Doug's work carries him from the international arena to helping people resolve deep interpersonal and ideological conflicts. He also co-founded the Prison of Peace in 2009, which is already integrated into 10 California prisons and is continually being adopted in prisons domestically and internationally. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Doug Knoll to 1111. Welcome, Doug. I'm thrilled to have you here.
2: Hi, Simran. Great to be with you again.
1: It is fabulous to be with you. This is not only a profound book that is so necessary at this time. The concepts in it are actually simple, there's something that anyone can do, and there are simple constructs that we could put in any system of our lives and truly create some change. So I want to thank you for writing this very profound book about simple solutions that we actually have available to us that have not been laid out in such a concrete way. It is quite nice to see
2: that. Well, thank and- you, and you're welcome. Uh, I wrote this book because I had so many inmates that I've worked with over the years come to me and say, if I had learned these skills 20 years ago, I would never be in prison. And it finally dawned on me that maybe I should take this stuff outside the prison and teach the rest of the world what thousands of inmates have learned from me over the last seven years.
1: Right. You write in the book that this has actually stopped violent fights, gang riots, arguments, and bullying in in those prisons. And as you move through the book, you you definitely go into various aspects from how we deal with family life, custodial issues, school issues, uh, relationship issues, as well as just the average things that can go on in a workplace or outside with different types of individuals. As we move into this conversation, I want to start off by understanding number one this this emotion that affects all of us. And you start talking about how emotion versus reason uh, has been the the conflict that has persisted in modern culture. Talk a little bit about that, please.
2: Well, the the um, we are as a let me brain science is undergoing a massive revolution right now. And um, the um, and actually, there's a war going on. Maybe that's an overstatement, but there is a there's a lot of conflict going on between classical psychology, classical psychiatry, and neuroscience, because what neuroscience is finding is that um, the theories of human behavior and human nature that have guided Um, psychologists and philosophers and theologians for thousands of years turns out to be completely wrong. Um, We are emotional creatures. We are the only creatures on the planet that have emotions of any significance, and it is emotions that drive every single one of our decisions. It drives all of what we consider to be rationality, which is um, very limited, And uh, it creates our social reality. These are scientific facts. And so what I have learned as a peacemaker is that when we are dealing with people who are angry or upset, whether it's a two-year-old having a tantrum or a 40-year-old having a two-year-old tantrum, we have to focus on the emotions first. And this is challenging for people because we've been taught from a very young age that emotions are bad and that emotions are uncontrollable, and emotions are dangerous. And the fact of the matter is that they are not. They are what make us who we are. And all we have to do is learn the skills of how to listen to emotions and reflect those emotions back to an angry person to watch the magic happen. And it is, it is profound, it is simple, it is elegant, and it is profound. And it's counterintuitive,
1: Mm. From the book De-Escalate, the effects of the emotion versus reason conflict have persisted into modern culture. Culture teaches us from early on that emotions interfere with clear, logical, reality-based thinking. Unchecked emotions distort perception and memory. Beyond that, emotions can get us into trouble if they're permitted to rule the brain. And I think we see a lot of that taking place right now. If we look at the issues around racism, as if we look at the uh, polarization when it comes to politics, it looks like a lot of people speaking at each other. It actually looks like a bad marriage. And <laughs> <laughs> and if we look at that, what's really showing up is no one's listening. And that was the one key word that I heard you say in the last bit that you spoke So listening is a big part of the solution that is required.
2: That's right. And and I teach it in three very simple steps, which are each step is very different than what people have listened to. If you're confronted with an angry person or somebody who's upset, two-year-old, 40-year-old, it doesn't matter. The first thing you're going to do is ignore the words. And this is very counterintuitive to what we've been taught. We've been taught that words create meaning and that meaning is being transmitted to us and to ignore the words is to ignore completely what the communication is all about. But when people are emotional, the words have no meaning. We have to learn how to ignore them because if we pay attention to the words, we are likely to get triggered ourselves and get sucked into the conflict vortex. But when we ignore the words... All of a sudden, new things, new opportunities, and new powers open up within us.
1: Now, that sounds easier said than done, Doug, initially, because initially. it's hard to not get triggered by what someone is saying to you if your ego is listening and if, if you're, you're really heated right. in a subject. So how does one get themselves to a place where they can remember and remind themselves, I'm not supposed to be listening to these words. I'm supposed to be listening to something else.
2: It comes with a little bit of practice, not a lot. And what I tell people is to, is to start practicing these, this skill in very low social risk situations, situations where if you make a mistake or lose it, you're not going to be embarrassed or humiliated or lose your self-esteem. So, for example, I, would, I tell people in my workshops and in my graduate courses, um, when you get your Starbucks in the morning, look at the, the person at the cash register, the briefs, and say, hey, you look really happy this morning. assuming they look reasonably happy, and just reflect what what you think their emotional state is. And most people that are hired by Starbucks are happy in the morning. They like their jobs. So in all likelihood, you're going to be correct. And when you do that, you will learn that by ignoring the words and just paying attention to how you think they're feeling, you will learn that ignoring the words is really simple. Another thing that I like to tell people to do is to turn off the sound on the television set and just watch what people are doing. Mm. Now you're ignoring the words because you've turned the volume down. Now you can't listen to the words, but you, how much information do you pick up, emotional information do you pick up from the actors without any words whatsoever? And the third thing that I tell people to do is listen to a radio advertisement, a 15- or a 30-second spot. Count the number of emotion, different emotions you hear in a 15 or 30 seconds, and it's usually going to be somewhere between 10 and 15 and, again, you are ignoring the words that are being, st- being read in the advertisement, and you're only paying attention to the emotions. These simple little practices over, over a period of two weeks will teach you how to ignore the words and, that, and into the second step, pay attention to the emotions. What are the emotions that are being expressed in the moment? It's not hard. We are hardwired. To listen to and understand this information. We are extremely good as human beings in understanding what other people's emotional experiences are. It's hardwired into us as human beings. The problem is we just don't pay attention to it. And I'm telling people we need to start paying attention to this. And when we do, really incredible things happen. Because after we've listened to the emotions and we're kind of guessing at what we think somebody might be feeling, all we do is tell them what they're feeling. We reflect it back to them. Oh, Simran, you're really angry. You're really frustrated. Nobody's listening to you feel completely unsupported. You're really anxious. And you're a little little sad because you're all alone in this mess.
1: That's And that's how you
2: do it. It's that simple.
1: Yes. yes. And it takes
2: 45 seconds and it takes and more you, and you will calm anybody down. I don't care how angry they are. They can't help themselves because it's the way we're hardwired.
3: Mm. And there's
2: brain science there's some great research studies that show why this works the way that it does. So this
1: is called affect labeling. Correct. Talk a little bit about what that word affect means and how physiologically we are affected. Right.
2: So their affect is a technical word that describes how, the, how our brains, our interoceptive networks within our brains, interpret and understand what we are experiencing in the moment. And affect is basically, I mean, in the, in the broadest sense, it is either feeling pleasant or neutral or unpleasant. And then whatever affect our brain is experiencing in that moment can either be strong, moderate, or of low intensity. And there is, there is also a duration component to it as well. But affect is not emotion emotion is the social construct or the cognitive construct that we learn starting at around probably 4 or 5 months old we start learning words of emotion that help us put a meaning around whatever affective experience that we're having in the moment and emotions vary from culture to culture in in the in the Polynesian islands for example there is no emotion for depression or sadness Interesting, huh? Yeah. And in some European cultures, especially Central and Eastern Europe, there are 10 or 15 different emotions around anger. So you can go from culture to culture to culture and find variations in emotion that uh, that um, that differ culturally and really define the cultural differences between people. Now, what happens is uh, as especially right around right around eighteen months of uh, you know, uh, the emotion what are known as the emotional centers of the brain prime uh, and there are many of them start to really start to mature they, we're born with them, but they really start to come online and The reason that we have this thing called the terrible twos is because in order for a child's brain to develop, develop properly. Emotionally, it must experience a whole continuum of emotions from rapture all the way to enrage. And that's why you'll see a two-year-old in one moment being rapturously happy and giddy and laughing and, and a second later being totally enraged. And what's going on is the brain, that child's brain, is trying to make sense of all this affect and create experiences that allow it to categorize these different conditions into cognitive constructs that we call emotions. And that's, the, that's a very critical pro- process of human development. And here's, what happen- here's the thing that's really abusive, in, at least in Western culture, is what happens when a, a, a little two year old boy, for example, falls down and skins his knee and starts to cry. What's he told? Mm, I'm going to let you hold
1: on to that until we get back from our commercial break. Doug Knoll intends for this book to be the beginning of a new way of being, where our ability to work with emotions is equal to or greater than our ability to reason, engage in rational thinking, or problem solve. By developing our emotional intelligence, we learn a crucial secret about de-escalating any angry situation or person in seconds. The secret is to do two simple things. Number one, ignore the words. Number two guess at and reflect back the emotions. We live in a socially polarized time as arguments easily flare up, aggression and bullying rise, and ideological lines are drawn, dividing our families, neighborhoods and communities. De-escalate provides a new set of listening and communication skills that solve the problem of what to do when confronted with emotionally volatile situations and enabling you to restore peace at home, work, or anywhere. The name of the book is De-escalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 seconds or less. And you can go to his website, Dougnoll.com. Right now, you can get your free copy of this book for a limited time. Uh, just pay the shipping and the handling. And while you're there, check out all of the other things that Doug Knoll is doing. He has uh, been in professional practice for over 35 years as an attorney, mediator, and peacemaker. And for the past 20 years, he has dedicated himself to understanding the emotional and biological origins of human conflict. Get your free copy of deescalate at dugnol.com we'll be right back after these messages.
3: Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment channel. Voiceamericaempowerment.com.
0: Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11 111 22 33 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi monthly online publication that offers a rich multi sensory experience. Engage with experts and topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized. So you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com.
3: Do you want more out of life? Tired of settling in relationships, your career, health, or finances? Want to experience greater aliveness? I am Simran. I support people in listening to their conversations with the universe, the guiding signs, symbols, and synchronicity. I mentor people to anchor in trust, love, and confidence, to live their heart's desires. Let me guide you in embracing the challenges and the obstacles so you embody and integrate the gifts they bring. No more human doings. You are here for being, bounteously and abundantly. Experience your soul's natural rhythm, your powerful essence. Don't shrink back any longer. Release the struggle. Learn how to let go. Create in different dimensions. Transform separateness, grief, anxiety, anger, and chaos into living your destiny. Connect with me at iamsimran.com. Live more freely, spontaneously, and joyfully. Don't conform. Live a life of courage. Let's start now. Through my online courses, mentoring programs, or one-on-one coaching, it's time to change your world. Connect at imsimmons.com. Are you an artist, healer, teacher, author, speaker, or coach? A wellness or holistic practitioner or energy worker? Maybe you want to be. Do you desire to serve the world? Share your gifts. Live your dreams. I am Simran, host of 1111 Talk Radio, and I invite you to the vision of oneness. Could you use a community of support, more financial flow with less effort? Would you like to receive so you have more to give? Be a world changer, world server, do-gooder. Be a new paradigm thinker and a conscious change agent. A part of a growing community creating collective streams of prosperity and wellness. By simply serving yourself, you serve others. Feel great, have more energy, sleep better, gently detox, lose unhealthy weight, and build strength. It's time for more freedom and financial flow. The Vision of Oneness embodies unconditional giving, commitment, simplicity, and receiving. We are a collective new way of being in commerce and creative cash flow. Learn more at thevisionofoneness.com. Register now and a member will help you begin today. Visionofoneness.com
0: Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: Doug Knowles' intention is to teach you how to de-escalate any situation and person quickly and efficiently. You will learn to do this without losing control or composure. You'll find a new competence and confidence in dealing with the upset people in your family, at work, and in your community. You'll also be able to take insults, provocations, and disrespect from others without losing your cool. You'll be able to stand in the presence of very strong emotions and say exactly the right thing, in exactly the right way, in exactly the right moment. As you learn to master these skills, you can experience five powerful transformations, and this is shared in De-Escalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less. The first transformation will occur when you gain the insights that we are emotional beings, not rational beings. The second transformation will occur when you learn about emotional invalidation. The third transformation is How to Begin the Practice of Affect Labeling. The fourth transformation will occur sometime after you have been practicing affect labeling on others. At some point you'll find yourself affect labeling your own emotional experiences. And the fifth transformation will occur when you experience egolessness while affect labeling. It's a powerful book that offers you simple solutions in learning how to cope with today's times, whether at home, at work, or or anywhere that you may find conflict. You can find out more about Douglas Knoll and all of his work at DougKnoll.com. And for a limited time right now, you can get DeEscalate for free. Just pay shipping and handling. So definitely get to his website, DougKnoll.com. Welcome back, Doug. What are we going to do with this two-year-old that's throwing a tantrum?
2: Well, let's let's back up. At the break, I was talking about a situation where the two-year-old boy, little boy, has skinned his, skinned his knees and he's crying. And classically it happened to me and it's happened just about to every male man that I know is that he is told to shut up, don't cry, don't be a sissy, don't be a girl, (laughs) Um, man up, be tough. He's basically told that emotions are bad and that he should stuff his emotions down. This is classic. Western conditioning, and it is extremely abusive. There is a study or two studies that show that this kind of abuse, as pervasive and insidious as it is, causes cancer, it causes diabetes, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, heart attacks, heart disease, addictive disorder, alcoholism, and sends people to prison. Mm. Um, And if people want to look at the study and just Have a very sobering look at what emotional invalidation does to children. Take a look at the ACEs study out of San Diego, and you can just Google ACEs study, um, and the science is there. It is frightening. Mm. So what we need to do is something very different. Instead of emotionally invalidating that little boy or little girl, we need to reflect back to them what they're experiencing emotionally in that moment, this affic labeling process. And basically all we're going to say is, hey, you, you're, you're hurt, you're sad, you're scared, you're frightened, you, you, you feel some pain, you don't feel supported, you feel all alone. And that's all you need to say. And watch the little child, and within seconds, the upset will go away.
1: It sounds like part of what's happening here, Doug, is when we reflect back to an individual, all of a sudden we're helping them to come back to themselves. We're helping correct. them to recognize themselves. Is that what's taking place?
2: In a very, yes, in a general sense, that's absolutely correct. Um, what I like to tell people is that when human beings are emotionally upset with whatever emotion it might be, they have lost the ability understand their own emotional experience at a cognitive level. The technical term for this is called alexithemia, inability to express or understand one's emotions. And when we have this alexithemic tendency, all kinds of not good things happen to us in our brains. So when a third person, a listener, takes the time to reflect back the emotional experience that an upset person is having, we're literally lending that person our prefrontal cortex to allow them to process their emotional experience in a very deep, efficient, and effective way. We're providing them with a service that they cannot provide for themselves in that moment. And the effect of that is to calm down people almost instantly.
1: One of the things that you write in this section of the book about children is a specific statement where you say you start with a question, an open-ended question, to get the response. What is the importance of the open-ended question in this process?
2: Sometimes children uh, don't know if it's safe to talk. Sometimes they need a little bit of what we call a door opener or a prompt to get started. And it's important to recognize that the question we ask is not interrogative. Inter- uh, it's not interrogative. <clears throat> We're not cross-examining. <clears throat> We're not seeking information. We're sim- a- asking a, a simple little question to get things going, to get the child, to get anybody started, whether it's a child or an adult or a teenager. And you would say something like, tell me, tell me what's going on. And just tell me what tell me what happened. And by being open to listening to what happened, you will then open up the speaker to begin talking. And as they talk, you'll start to ignore the words and pay attention to their emotions, and then reflect their emotions back to them. And that's all it takes just a little bit of a just a little bit of a prompt uh, without jumping to problem-solving without giving advice, without asking questions, without using an I-statement, and just simply say, oh, you're really frustrated, you're really angry, you're hurt, you're frightened, you're scared, you're anxious, you're all alone, you're unsupported, whatever it might be. Um, And just stay with that person until you get a nod of the head and a verbal response like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel, and a dropping of the shoulders and a deep sigh of relief. And, it, t- that t- and it, it takes about 30 to 45 seconds, and, you, and it's automatic. So you'll, you'll know when you've got it.
1: Another piece that I noticed throughout the book, and especially when it got to the section where you were talking about how to handle teenagers yeah. uh, and how to deal with relationship with a partner, there's a component of silence that is also necessary. Talk about the silent spaces that are important and why they're important.
2: We have to give people space upset people's space to process their own stuff. And the, the difficulty that we have in working with teenagers or partners or adults is that their emotionality makes us anxious. And we feel really itchy and weird and we feel like we need to do something. We need to fix this. This urge to fix, to give advice, to stop the emotionality is really our need to soothe ourselves because we're feeling anxious in the presence of somebody else who's emotional. So we immediately start taking care of ourselves. And of course, that completely stops the de-escalation process. And the other person feels deeply, feels totally not listened to and will probably even get angrier. Mm -hmm. So we have to learn how to sit in silence, sit with our own anxiety for a couple of moments. I mean, anybody can sit with anxiety for 30 seconds. Just sit with our anxiety, res- totally resist the urge to fix or to, or to give advice or to help. Let this person process, reflect their emotions, and then see where it goes from there. I, my mantra is de-escalate, then problem solve. Do not problem solve ever first. Never discipline a child or a teenager until you've de-escalated them first because the discipline will never take. Mm.
1: Very, and this is powerful. something that's
2: very contrary to what people have thought about before. They think we're going to go into problem-solving, I'm going to smack this kid, we're going to discipline. It's a completely reactive uh, behavior on the part of the adult not thinking that this child has misbehaved and is in an emotional state, I need to de-escalate this child before I can, we can problem-solve together and decide what, uh, what the appropriate consequences are.
1: Well, and we've been conditioned as a society to handle things that way, whether That's it right. is how we punish people that have done something wrong or whether That's it right. is how we approach right. our
2: children. And we know that doesn't work because, I mean, just for example, in California, I mean, we're spending 9 $10, 11000000000 billion on prisons and less than $9 billion a year on education. So we know... Talk a little
1: bit about what's happened in the prison systems where you've done these workshops and you've done some ongoing work. What... What kind of profound changes have taken place that really illustrate to you that this not only works, but if this practice were used with us from the time we're children, that we would not have the degree of perhaps crime and prison culture that we do?
2: Well, I'm not going to make the claim that affect labeling is going to eliminate all bad behaviors or criminal (laughs) behaviors. But, but But I do make the claim that people who are in prison who have done really heinous acts, um, have themselves been victims and and horribly abused for the most part. And the reason they ended up making horrible decisions that really harmed other people is, is largely due to the fact that they were horribly abused themselves. And they have never learned, as children, they never learned skills about how to listen and how to deal with conflict other than through violence, which is why they're in prison today. What we have found in teaching these skills over the last seven years, and by we I mean my colleague Ural Coffer and myself, <coughs> is that when inmates, and we only work with lifers and long-termers, we only train essentially train murderers, um, when we teach inmates these skills and show them that there is an efficacious, effective, and fast way to de-escalate anger and prevent violence, they take to it like you can't believe because they are so hungry and thirsty for something other than violence mm. that, they, that they just become, they become, um, they become devotees of this. And their whole lives change. We call this moving from serving a life sentence to living a life of service. And they learn that serving others as peacemakers and mediators gives their whole life a new meaning. And they completely change their behaviors. And we were working in some pretty dark places. I mean, we're working. We have. We're working in nine prisons in California. We have three prisons in Greece. We're going to be in Australia, New Zealand, I think. Um, probably in 2018, maybe 2019, we're going to be on the East Coast in Connecticut. I think in 2018. So the project is expanding, and it's expanding because it's so powerful.
1: Mm, that's. It that is powerful. And is this something that is also being instituted? In the school systems, is it being taught, or is there it is any not thought to into those it. areas as
2: well? I have taught these skills in, in inner city high and in an inner city high school and, and several inner city middle schools to great effect, and I still get comments from teachers saying it's the best skill they've ever learned in twenty and thirty years of teaching. Um, not sure why it's not expanding. And not sure why schools are not adopting this practice more widely, despite the fact that the teachers have found it to be incredibly powerful. Um, I think it's just the inertia of a large bureaucracies make, make uh, the injection of new ideas and new ways of being very difficult um, to embed. But, uh, well, I'll tell you, you do watched, go into bullying
1: quite stuff. a bit in your book as well, and that is uh, an issue, an epidemic that is hitting a lot of areas. A lot of the schools and a lot of children are experiencing right. those kinds of effects, and I want to make sure that parents and teachers know that you have really delved into these topics of bullying, of schools, of, of custody, of people going through relationship, all kinds of ways that not only assist us, as adults, but really will create a substantial change to the the ongoing generations if we're willing to do this work. One sure. thing that you write in here is that you have to be patient, caring, and non-judgmental for this to work. So this also cultivates within both people the ability to have more patience, caring, and non-judgment. Yes.
2: Yes. It, it, yes. It does, and it does it automatically. Um, the beauty of it is you don't have to use a lot of discipline to cultivate uh, these ideas of being non-critical, non-judgmental, and non-reactive. If you simply do the practice, ignore the words, guess at the emotions, reflect back the emotions, if you simply do that on a daily basis, you will, you will, you will automatically reprogram your own brain. And does and, there have and, to and be and a setup, really Doug,
1: this, for do this, right to do now? this work? Do you have to let others know? Can you just start no, behaving yeah. in this way? Do
2: this in a way that nobody knows what you're doing. All they know is that you are. They're feeling deeply listened to. They feel a deep empathic connection, and they don't know why. All they do is they know they feel good. And if you are, if it's obvious what you're doing, then you're not doing it right. You've got to be subtle. It's got to be conversational
1: has to be subtle and conversational, and it can be used on any age and in any situation.
2: That's correct. And uh-huh. if you do it yourself, there's some, just some really cool things that happen to you if you engage in this practice on a regular basis. It becomes a spiritual practice in a very deep way.
1: Powerful. My guest today is Doug Knoll, and he has written the book De-Escalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less. He has also... Uh, started fostering peace circles. The circle is composed of at least five people seated in chairs in a circle. On the floor in the center is some object that can help focus attention. Flowers, candles, a book, or some small statuette are all common centerpieces. You need a talking stick, which can be a feather, a pen, or a small stuffed toy. A circle keeper is designated who invites people in. Generally, the keeper's job is to ask the guiding questions and keep the ground rules. The ground rules are simple. Only the person with the talking piece can speak. Before speaking, you must reflect the thoughts and emotions of the previous speaker. You may pass and not say anything. Limit your thoughts to about 90 seconds. Allow the keeper to intervene to keep the flow going smoothly. My guest today is Doug Knoll, and you can find out more about him at DougKnoll.com. Go to his website, and for a limited time there's an exclusive offer to get the book De-Escalate for free just pay shipping and handling and you can have that there's also other information about Doug and what he's up to so definitely go out to Dougnoll.com. we'll be right back after these messages
3: Live up to your fullest potential this is the Voice America Empowerment Channel
0: 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts and topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com, 1111mag.com.
3: Do you want more out of life? Tired of settling in relationships, your career, health, or finances? Want to experience greater aliveness? I am Simran. I support people in listening to their conversations with the universe, the guiding signs, symbols, and synchronicity. I mentor people to anchor in trust, love, and confidence, to live their heart's desires. Let me guide you in embracing the challenges and the obstacles so you embody and integrate the gifts they bring. No more human doing. You are here for being, bountiously and abundantly. Experience your soul's natural rhythm, your powerful essence. Don't shrink back any longer. Release the struggle. Learn how to let go. Create in different dimensions. Transform separateness, grief, anxiety, anger, and chaos. Into living your destiny. Connect with me at imsimran.com. Live more freely, spontaneously, and joyfully. Don't conform, live a life of courage. Let's start now. Through my online courses, mentoring programs, or one on one coaching, it's time to change your world. Connect at imsimran.com. Are you an artist, healer, teacher, author, speaker, or coach? A wellness or holistic practitioner, or energy worker? Maybe you want to be. Do you desire to serve the world, share your gifts, live your dreams? I'm Simran, host of 1111 Talk Radio, and I invite you to the vision of oneness. Could you use a community of support, more financial flow with less effort? Would you like to receive so you have more to give? Be a world changer, world server, do-gooder. Be a new paradigm thinker and a conscious change agent. A part of a growing community creating collective streams of prosperity and wellness. By simply serving yourself, you serve others. Feel great. Have more energy. Sleep better. Gently detox. Lose unhealthy weight and build strength. It's time for more freedom and financial flow. The vision of oneness embodies unconditional giving, commitment, simplicity and receiving. We are a collective new way of being in commerce and creative cash flow. Learn more at thevisionofoneness.com. Register now and a member will help you begin today. visionofoneness.com
0: Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: Definitely check out 1111 Magazine on audio. Once again, if you have not received the free gift month, that I'm offering text 1111 to 443641. 1110. One, also take the time to peruse all of the 1111 Talk Radio archives. There are always amazing guests with powerful information and it is timeless. It will allow you to meet many individuals that are creating change on the planet and also expressing their gifts in powerful ways to be an example of who you are and how powerfully you can share and also support you along the way with the messages that you might need to hear. How did the book de-escalate come into being? Well, it began long ago by a letter written by Susan Russo from the Valley State Prison for Women. She wrote, My name is Susan Russo, and I'm an inmate at Valley State Prison for Women. I'm writing in hope that you might consider doing a workshop on the proper techniques of mediation for our networking group. This group of women not only wants to better themselves, but also help others in general population. I feel a mediation workshop would not only benefit the inmates, but also the staff. You would do the workshop with the ladies in the networking group, and then we'll take what we have learned and teach it to the rest of the general population. This is coming from someone that's in a prison. It created great change and it has led Doug Knoll to deepen his exploration and his expression of this work as he has done so internationally as well as nationally. The impact has been profound and it is the kind of work that can support families, communities, businesses, and organizations in creating great change within their own emotional structures as well as cultures. Welcome back, Doug. I want to talk a little bit about not just listening to people that are in the escalated angry position but also in the place of grief as I look at some of the situations that are taking place particularly the things around racism and also even if you look at the Me Too campaign that's going on right now uh, with women coming out uh, with their abuse underlying so much of this stuff is really deep profound grief it's, it, it looks like anger, a lot of it looks like the reaction that comes out, but so often a lot of it is the depths of sadness and grief of what's been carried or held, whether in one's own life or generations. Is this process of de-escalation the same when we listen to someone, whether it's the loss of a child or the loss of someone, and we're in a place of grief, or as, as well as in the places of anger and other things? Talk about if there are any distinctions.
2: There are no distinctions. Any type of emotional experience uh, should be listened to emotionally rather than with words. It doesn't matter whether it's grief or sadness or anger or frustration or happiness, joy, giddiness, excitement. It doesn't matter. What happens whenever we are having an emotional experience the most profound way that we that another person can connect with that person, regardless of the positive or negative nature of the emotion, is to reflect back that emotional experience and with a very simple use statement. So, for example, uh, if we we have you know this Harvey Weinstein thing, and of course we've seen the the Access Hollywood video, you know, before mm-hmm. the election, and um, you know there's a lot of women who who have suffered at the hands of men and probably feel a lot of um, anger, frustration, grief, sadness, betrayal, um, fear. And the best thing that we can do to start having, a converse, having conversations and helping w- women or victims of any kind begin to process all of this and come out in a place of strength is by acknowledging and validating their emotional experiences by simply affect labeling them.
1: I think the greatest thing that we each want is to be seen, heard, and acknowledged and to That's have right. any experience validated is, is really probably where the true healing is. It's not so That's much right. that anyone needs to do anything. You talk about the six needs of victims. victims right. Go into a little bit of that and express, because I love the statement where you said, uh, that when you, when you shift one thing, the, the rest seem to get taken care of as well. Right. So talk a little bit about that.
2: So there are, um, as a peacemaker, of course, I'm dealing with people who are in conflict, whether I'm mediating a litigated dispute where people have lawyers and they're suing each other, one party suing the other, or it's a non-litigated dispute and there's just deep conflict. Um, I find that every person in the conflict is a victim. And it has six basic needs, and those needs are vengeance, vindication, validation, the need to be heard, the need to create meaning, and the need for safety. Mm. And vengeance, of course, is the one that is the driver (laughs) of everything, because vengeance is, is the sense that I want to hurt you so badly because I hurt myself. You hurt me, and I want to hurt you worse. The interesting thing about vengeance is that it is anticipatory. That is, that we get a pleasurable feeling from dopamine release by thinking about or imagining what it would be like to hurt the person that hurt us. What's really perverse about our brains is that if we get the opportunity to exact revenge... There is no, or at least a very little amount of dopamine released, and we don't get the intense feeling of pleasure that we anticipated we would get. And as a result, we feel depressed, or we feel like we haven't, there hasn't been sufficient punishment, or there hasn't, there's been a deep and abiding injustice because I don't feel good. I was supposed to feel good. I was supposed to have a healing release when I thumped the other guy, and I'm not getting that. And so it drives people to more conflict. That just means I have to punish harder. Now, I'm not only going to kill you, I'm going to kill your, your entire family and wipe your family off the planet. And there are honor societies in this world where that is exactly the case, mm-hmm. where the vengeance so, is so strong that people go to war with each other. <coughs> so vengeance is a tough one. Then you've got um, vindication and validation. Basically, vindication is I'm right, you're wrong. Validation is I'm a, I need to be validated as a human being, that I reserve, uh, deserve respect and dignity as a human being. The need to be heard, which is the need to be heard at a deep empathic level. The need to create meaning. Oftentimes in severe conflict, um, reality has been shattered. And so a new rea- the victims must create a new reality and create meaning out of whatever happened to them. And so that's the need to create meaning. Some sort of transcendence that allows them to make sense out of what happened in, in, in in the conflict, and then finally, the need for safety, which would include physical, mental, excuse me, physical, emotional, and spiritual safety. And I add spiritual safety because I've done a lot of I've done work in with clergy sexual abuse cases, and invariably the victim survivors tell me in those situations that they feel like they've been raped by God. Hmm. So there's a spiritual safety that has to be addressed as well. What I've learned over the years as a mediator and peacemaker is that if you can satisfy the need to be heard with this deep empathic connection through ethic labeling, all the other needs seem to get met, and the need for vengeance goes away.
1: Really, really powerful work, Doug. It makes me think about not just from the standpoint of individuals and groups and communities, but I think about the bigger scope of our world and these countries that are in conflict. And it's no different. It's like looking at small children fighting that are creating war. It's almost the same thing. Is there some way that if they ever got to the point where they really listen to each other in this way, that even that type of, of conflict can be de-escalated?
2: Well, a lot of these conflicts are co- quite complex. Um, de- de-escalating by listening to people's emotions is usually a very, very good first step. But there is there's a lot of other work that has to be done. Typically, there are structural injustices that need to be addressed. Oftentimes, in high-conflict societies, people's identities have been... <laughs> created around the conflict, and so when there's the possibility of peace and the conflict is going away, people feel like their identities are being ripped away from them, so they, they resist peace. They do everything they can to stop the peace, because without the conflict, they have no identity. This, in large part, defines what goes on in the Middle East, and so you have to help people in any peace process. You have to help people take the time to rebuild new identities around peace as opposed to identities around conflict. So, that's just one example of the many different elements that have to be addressed in these complex conflicts, But before you can even get there, you've got to p- get people listening to each other and feeling feeling like they're being listened to and getting these six needs met.
1: Now we are in a society where there are individuals that that seem to have no empathy whatsoever. They're so close to even seeing other people that they have, mm-hmm. they're so focused on themselves. What about those types of people? Does this process work with them, or is there a certain place where there just has to be a boundary?
2: Well, there are there are there is there are there are there is one personality disorder that um, I have encountered where this this these ideas this, this technique is not as effective, and that's with the, the somebody who could be clinically diagnosed as the mal- maladaptive overt narcissist. Um, that personality disorder is. Is where a person's mind it has been programmed in a way, through probably through abuse, that um, they lack empathy and, or they lack they lack the motivation to be empathic towards others. They will only be empathic to the degree that they see that it benefits themselves. They are not interested in being empathic to help other people. So they're totally self-absorbed, and with those people. Um, the only thing that really works is to have very sharp boundaries and consequences of if those boundaries are crossed. Other than that, and those are very rare, I, I, you know, I don't even think I've ever run across somebody like that in the thousands and thousands of conflicts I've worked in. So it's very rare. So I don't worry about it too much. And I, when I teach about it, I don't tell people, you know, this personality disorder is one that might be a little difficult, but it is so rare in what we in in that that in all likelihood you're probably not going to encounter it but if you do encounter something like this just be aware that you're going to have to have different tools in your box pull out different tools than necessarily affect labeling because affect labeling may not work for everybody else it works it works for people it works for kids who are on the autism spectrum um, you know, Asperger's, whatever emotional problems kids have. It works beautiful, beautifully with them. I just got an email from a woman who read the book who said it worked on her, her elderly parents who have dementia and Alzheimer's. She said mm-hmm. they can't remember anything, but they still have emotions. And when I reflect back their emotions, it calms them down dramatically. So it's pretty powerful and pretty universal how this works. Um, we have just problem, a I,
1: couple of minutes left, and I do want to get this little piece in. You talk about it. If we really allow a consistent and practice on this, that we can actually access an egoless state. Speak yes. a little bit to that before we close out the
2: show. So I, I stumbled on this by accident, uh, and and many people have heard of Eckhart Tolle and his book, The Power of Now, and he talks about. Tells us about how, like many spiritual teachers, he tells us what to do, but not how to do it. And the idea is that if you can be in the present moment, that and become egoless, it's um, you know it's the Buddhist state of samadhi, and uh, which is it, which in itself is a transcendent state. It's I experienced this when I was began to start ethic labeling. I noticed that for about fifteen seconds, I became totally egoless. I became transcendent. I felt a larger sense of self and felt connected to the other person in a very high-level, deep-sense way. So I started asking students whether or not they were experiencing this, too. And sure enough, everybody, once they started paying attention to it, experienced this egolessness and this transcendence. Um, there's some science behind this, so we probably, probably don't have time to go into the science. But essentially what is happening is that when we, are so focus, when we ignore the words and focus on somebody else's emotions, there's no room for our own ego. And um, we actually move into a different, uh, a different state of consciousness um, in our brains that allow us to experience what spiritual people would call a transcendent state. And it lasts between 15 and 30 seconds. Imagine being able to do this every single day on demand whenever you listen to another person. Mm. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a practical spiritual experience that does not require meditation, does not require any contemplative practice. It just happens automatically from the way that you listen to people. And that sounds like it would be
1: life-changing for the self and the other. The great news is that through simple, consistent practice, we can access an egoless state. By affect labeling and core messaging others, we are exercising our deliberative self-referencing center. That exercise builds neural pathways and strengthens over time. In effect, we engage a deep spiritual practice every time we listen to and label the emotions of another. We are able to experience the power of now by serving others through affect labeling and Listening and core messaging. This is from Doug Knoll's book, Deescalate How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less. Definitely check out his website, dougknoll.com. You can find out more about the Safe Schools Project, Prison of Peace, along with his multiple blogs around couples, parents, and conflict. Go to dougknoll.com, get your free copy of Deescalate. Just pay shipping, and you will have your copy today, and you can begin assisting this planet in de-escalating. Join me next week when my guest is Indira Dial Dominguez, and she will talk about you being as love. Until then, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well.
0: Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality